everyone. I am recording this on the weekend, as always, to release on Monday, but this Monday is a holiday. It is President's Day, so a little bit of a long weekend, and it is really nice to have an extra day off. I'm excited to go shopping and have lunch with my two girls, Molly and Rachel. I hope that you have planned a little bit of fun into your week, too. Today, I want to talk about something that has come up a few times this week. The topic of children's temper tantrums has come up, and I wanted to also expand that idea into tantrums that happen when we are older. If you were to sit down and Google some advice on what to do about tantrums, as I am sure many of parent has done, you will find that there is lots of different advice, some of it agreeing and some of it varying on exactly the right way to handle this little milestone of childhood. As a parent, the amount of information and tactics can be a bit overwhelming if you aren't sure which ones to try. I used to be there. I used to be the mom of three young children, both when I was married and then getting divorced when my youngest was six. But now the kids are quite grown. Molly is that youngest child, and she is now 21. Rachel is the oldest, and she is 25. And then my son Sam is the middle child, and he is 23. So it has been a while since any kind of childhood temper tantrums. But let's expand this conversation to a time when someone is older and has the equivalent of a temper tantrum as an older child, as a teenager, and then into adult years. An adult temper tantrum may look quite the same as a child's, hitting, kicking, flailing arms, screaming, crying, clenching fists. I bet if you dig back into your own history, you might be able to pick out a couple of times when you were so angry at your parents or at a partner who did you wrong, and in the moment, you just weren't sure how else to handle it. Maybe you went to the car and screamed by yourself. My goal with this podcast is to give you a very clear procedure. If you are on the receiving end of a tantrum, meaning you are a parent or a relative or a teacher of a child having a tantrum or someone who is witnessing an adult in this kind of distress or even something that can help you if you find yourself to be the one who is experiencing a tantrum firsthand. There are options of what to do, but my hope is that after listening today, you will have the information that you need to design your own procedure so that you are ready to go in this situation and you know what to do. I'm actually going to make this a little mini-series because there's so much information. So today we are going to focus on what to do in the moment when it's a child, a young child, who is having a tantrum. So first of all, what is a tantrum and why does one find themselves having one? As I said already, a tantrum looks like the physical behaviors that I've already mentioned without the accompaniment of language. The sounds that will come with the hitting and kicking, etc., will Be only screaming, whining, crying, or can even be holding a child's breath. 
when someone is in this survival state in the brain, which occurs way down in the brainstem, they actually lose the use of language. They are not able to talk to you and they certainly are not listening to you either. They physically cannot have any kind of conversation in this state because they first need to calm their body and feel safe in order to be able to move from the brainstem up to the amygdala to the emotional state, which comes next. Once they move up to the emotional state, that is the place where they can deal with their feelings and you can help with language in order to further move into the executive state. And then they can learn the skills that they need to to build upon to prevent temper tantrums in the future. So if your strategy during a temper tantrum is to talk it through with a child or say words, you're going to stop that strategy and you're going to listen here because that will not work. They are not listening when they're in that state, but I want you to have the tools to know what to do that can be effective. Why a tantrum occurs is pretty simple. There are these great big feelings inside and the person, in this case the child having the tantrum, is missing a skill. That's pretty much it in most scenarios. The skill that they are missing can be not having the expressive language yet to use words to ask for what they want. It can be the language to express how angry or sad that they can't have something that they want at that moment. Could be the language or the know-how to negotiate something with an older child, such as asking for a turn or handling something that someone else did to them. Let's say if another child took a toy out of their hands. So for a verbal child, it might be knowing what to say back to that child. It also might be not knowing any other way to express that they are tired or hungry or not feeling well. The other reasons that tantrums can occur besides the big feelings are to get an adult's attention when other ways are just not working. Or it can be because past tantrums have worked for the child and it's the way for them to get something that they want. So it's kind of a learned behavior. I've tried a tantrum and it worked. So let's keep trying that again. In this case, that child learned through trial and error that they do not have control over a situation, but if they have tantrum, then in the end, the result they get is to be given that thing that they are having a tantrum about, and it works for them. That's all. Let's say it happens in a grocery store, and they really want the fruit snack, but you say no until that tantrum starts, and then in order to stop the tantrum, being in a public place, you give in to the fruit snacks and they get them. In that scenario, you are going to still use the same procedure here, but it may take a little bit of extra time since the child has to unlearn that strategy, which has been effective for the child to get them what they want. No big deal at all. 
Every parent has been there. So feeling guilt here does not help. Giving into a tantrum is something that most parents have done at one time or another because it's a quick road to ending the situation, that situation of the tantrum. I promise you that it doesn't help to feel bad about it. It does help to understand it. But for anyone who has given in to what a child wants, don't we usually do that with frustration or with anger or with a desperate feeling? So it doesn't feel good for us either. We don't usually put those fruit snacks into the cart with a whole lot of love in that moment. But right now in this scenario, for the person in front of you who is in that survival state, you need to know what to do since talking to the person is not an option that will help you. So what can you do? You will find advice that ranges from ignoring to throwing cold water on the child to holding them to putting them in time out and many other things that may or may not be helpful. There are too many options out there, in my opinion, for you to really know what to do. I am going to try to give you something very clear and simple. So first, let's talk about that child who is having a tantrum. Typically, this child will be between the ages of one and three, maybe one and four, depending on their ability to learn expressive language. This is because they are learning lots and lots of receptive language. They can understand so many things that you are saying to them more and more every day. But that amount of expressive language that they can say is building much more slowly. But besides not having the verbal skills, they also have to build the skills knowing what to do in a situation. They haven't been taught yet what to do when someone takes something away from them, when they can't have something that they want, how to ask for something that they can't get themselves, what to do with all of those big feelings. Some of these strategies are going to be in the moment. Some will be preventative, which we will talk about in the next podcast. And some are just work that you can do to help them build those skills. But I don't say that to overwhelm you. Simple is going to be the key here. So first of all, the priority is safety. When kicking, screaming, etc. starts, you want to quickly choose where this is going to happen in a safe space. It might be right where you are. It might involve moving other children out of the way to another location. Or it might be picking up that child and moving a child to a new location. If you are somewhere that might be dangerous and might involve the child, say, running somewhere unsafe, then you are going to move that child or hold that child so that they cannot get hurt. If you are going to pick up the child or hold the child, you also need to protect yourself from getting hurt, from getting hit or kick, or bit. You are going to do that, pick up the child or hold the child in a way that protects. You're not going to put your face right down into their face. You're going to watch where their hands are in comparison to you, where their feet are. You're going to not let yourself get hurt in the process. 
I also want to mention that your own feeling of safety might include embarrassment. So if you're out in public and you don't want to go through this process with other people watching you because that makes you feel unsafe, then it's perfectly fine to pick up the child, move them to your car, put them in their car seat, and then go ahead with the process. You want safety for your child and for yourself. So once the safety is addressed, that's step one. The next step is calm. But trick is, it is you who must calm. You as the adult, you as the witness to the tantrum. What we want is for the child to calm down. That's the goal. But the procedure to get there starts with you. Now, I know that this is probably the opposite of how a parent typically feels in this moment. Their temper tantrum probably feels very triggering, especially if this is the 20th or the 50th or the 100th tantrum. But it has to start with you or it could be someone else that you trade places with in that moment if you just can't get there to that calm state. So take the time and stop. Slow down. Breathe. Feel your feet on the ground. Touch your fingertips together. Close your eyes if it helps you. Just ground yourself and do whatever it is that you need to do in that moment. Calm yourself. Believe me, this part gets so much easier once you start doing it and it becomes a habit. They escalate. You take a breath and calm yourself. It will start to feel natural if you are a teacher and you are in this situation a hundred times every week. So now you are in a safe location and now you are calm. And this little guy isn't. He's just flailing and screaming. I want you to think of this next step as a way to teach that skill calming down. You are going to lend that child your calm. They don't have calm. So they are going to borrow yours. You can do this by sitting next to the child, sitting away from the child a bit if that keeps you safe from getting hit, by holding the child in your lap if the child is willing and you are not getting hurt, by ignoring the child and looking in the other direction, but keeping your body physically close. Whatever it is, think is going to work for that child to be able to feel the energy of your calm. Now, one of the questions that has come up is the idea of time out and leaving that child in a safe place, of course. For example, putting them in a crib and leaving them in their room. If you need to do this because you are still on step two and you are not yet calm, then that's absolutely fine. You can leave them. Go get yourself calm and then come back into the room and sit on the floor next to the crib. If the tantrum is about going to bed and you have gone through all of the steps for bedtime and it's time for them to be in their crib, then that's fine too. You can leave them in their crib and you might not go through the rest of the steps until after their nap. Maybe the biggest problem that is happening is that the child is tired. But other than that particular situation, if you are calm, you're going to stay with the child, near the child if you're able to, until the child is calm so that they can borrow 
you're calm. You are modeling calm to them. The point of this step is to show them that even though they feel very unsafe in their body at this moment, that it is safe right now because you are in control of yourself. They are not scaring you. And this is one of the biggest things that happens, that the child gets this sense of control and power that they can upset the parent. So you are showing them that when they're unsafe and they're participating in this kind of behavior, they are not scaring. You are in control of yourself. It's all okay as demonstrated by your demeanor, your energy. You are communicating to them non-verbally that they are safe. You are going to breathe for them. Model the deep breaths. Once you get their attention, you want them to see you breathe. In conscious discipline, they teach a method that once the child is beginning to be able to listen to you, you might say, your arms are going like this, and you copy what their arms are doing. Your legs are going like this, and you do it. Your face is going like this, and then you copy their face so that when you say like this, it will get them to look at your face to see what the like this looks like. And then that very moment when they look at your face, you take a deep breath because then the mirror neurons kick in and they will copy you. It's just like when you see someone else yawn and then you yawn. Same idea. They will breathe. So make it some good deep belly breaths. You want to exhale twice as long as you inhale. Okay, so we've done safety. We've done calm and we've done breathing so far. Finally, the last step will be the language. What to say now that the child is calm and taking some breaths. And I just want to insert here too, that if holding the breath was part of that temper tantrum, you can still follow the same procedure. There is no physical danger to that child holding their breath. It may seem scary, but if they hold it too long, they're going to end up passing out and breathing. It usually happens in a scenario where a child has learned that this behavior very quickly gets an adult's attention because it scares the adult. And so it ends up working for the child. You can treat that like any other part of a tantrum. Okay, so once they are calm, they move from that survival state up to the emotional state. In order to move up again, to the executive state. They have to move through those feelings so that they can think, so that they are once again able to use their prefrontal cortex, which is unavailable to them as long as they are in that emotional state. You will know that they are there in the emotional state because their language starts to come back. They will now be able to talk as much as they have expressive language to talk but they still may be physically emotional. They will be calm, as in they are able to take some breaths, but they still may be visibly mad, sad, frustrated, etc. This is where we want to use our language, even if they are nonverbal, to teach them about their feelings. And it's in acknowledging their feelings and naming them. You are going to say, you are angry. You didn't like it when Sally took that car away from you. 
or you are sad, you really wanted me to buy the fruit snacks today, or you are upset, you wish it wasn't bedtime right now, or you are frustrated, you wanted to turn with those blocks that your brother is using, something like that. There are a couple of things that you are doing here. You are teaching them the name of that big feeling inside of them. You are modeling to them how to say that to you or to someone else. You are also showing them their good intentions by seeing what their intent was. You aren't saying you were bad, you hit your brother because you are a bad kid. You are communicating that they are fine, they are okay, they are good. They just wanted something that they didn't have. Or they had a feeling because of whatever circumstance that they were in. So once they have that feeling acknowledged, the idea is that they can move up from that emotional state into the executive state. And this can happen very quickly. It can happen with just that one comment that you make to them. They feel heard. They feel understood. So they might very quickly be able to move out of that emotional state up to the executive state. While the survival state asks the question, am I safe? The emotional state asks the question, am I loved? Or to me, it can feel kind of like, am I understood? The executive state asks the question, what can I learn? So the last step here, I said the other one was the last step, but it wasn't. This is really the last step. The last step is to teach the skill that they needed in the moment where they chose to have a tantrum. You are going to say something like, next time when you want whatever it is they wanted, do this or say this. And then you're going to give them exactly what to say. So for example, next time you want to turn with the blocks, say, Sam, I want to turn with the block. Next time you don't want it to be bedtime, say, Mommy, I wish it wasn't bedtime. Now, of course, that example is going to be for a verbal child. Let's say you have an older baby, a very young toddler. They're not going to say to you, Mommy, I wish it wasn't nap time. But you can still give them the language and say, you didn't want it to be nap time. You wish it wasn't nap time. And it's time to go to sleep. You can use those and statements. You really don't want to go to bed and it's time to go to sleep because both things are true. So if they don't have the verbal skills, you can either give them what they might say in the future when they have the verbal skills or just acknowledge their feelings and use the and. Next time you are disappointed that we are not going to buy fruit snacks, say, mommy, I'm disappointed. What can I pick out? Again, that's for a verbal child. For someone younger, you might say, you really wanted fruit snacks. You can have bananas or you can have grapes, something like that. Give them what their choice is. Tell them what it is they can do. Next time Sally takes the car away, say, Sally, I don't like it when you take the car. Give it back. So the idea is that you say, next time, do this, or next time, say this, or you can use one of those and statements. Now, is your child going to learn that after hearing it just one time? Most likely, they will need to hear that over and over again. It doesn't mean you only teach it when they have a tantrum. You can work on those skills by modeling, by repeating those words. When you want to turn with something, tell your brother, I want to turn. 
You can make a book about that skill to read over and over again if that would help. You also want to make sure that what you're asking a child to say is something appropriate and kind and direct and that will be effective. But the trick is to teach them to come up with their own words. Let's start by giving them a script to follow. Let's teach them the exact words to use. Then once they have that skill down, then they can tweak the words to ask in their own way. One of the analogies that I love for this is from a colleague of mine. He says, first you learn to read the music, then you can play jazz. So let's give them our words to use. In the old days of teaching, teachers used to always say to children, use your words. Well, guess what? Until they learn to read music, so to speak, they don't have any words to use. They don't know which words to use. They need to learn the script first. Then they can learn to play jazz by using their own words. Okay, so this was a long one, but I'm actually not done. Today we went over the procedure in the moment of a tantrum for a child. And while that's important, there are more things that you need to know. To recap today, you are going to Address safety, get yourself calm, lend your calm by breathing for the child, use your language to acknowledge feelings, and then finally, teach them what to do next time. Those are the five steps from today. But next time, we're going to have a part two because I want to talk about all of the things that you can do that would be preventative against a child choosing to have a tantrum in the first place. And then in part three, we're going to talk about the adult tantrums. Okay, so I'm going to let you go for this week. And I really, really hope that this episode has helped some of you. If it did, I would love it if you would let me know. Send me your questions if you have any questions about anything today. Have a great week, my friends. 